Welcome back, everyone, to a great episode of Going Sideways with 10 Drift. I am so excited to present to you our guest today of Taylor Hole. You may know him from competing in FD Pro 1 this year and last, and was uh, thankfully I was able to catch up with him before he's going to Irwindale later this month. Uh, before we get to it, though, I do want to thank East 10 Drift for putting on a great Pro-Am this year and supporting local drift. Also, do want to thank Dream Tank Soap for putting out a wonderful uh, product for any mechanics out there. Uh, definitely check them out. With that away, uh, let's go ahead and get you to the action. Thank you so much. Uh, with it coming to the getting closer to the end of the season, um, what are your thoughts so far on this uh, on this year for you? For you, I mean, it's been a good year. Um, I won't call it a great year yet because you know the initial plan was to have a lot more success on track than we have. Sure. Up until now, you know, we wanted to have several top 16s by now, and we haven't gotten a top 16 yet. So that's certainly the goal for Irwindale, which is the last race or the last event we have left now. Um, so I, I would, I'd say, you know, I'm kind of 50, 50 on, okay. on the year. Now we've, we've made a ton of progress from this point last year to now the car has made a ton of progress to, absolutely um you know we just had so many mechanical issues last year and we really haven't had that this year so it's been nice to be able to focus on driving and develop the car and develop myself so good in that aspect but just want the results to go along with it makes sense and i mean and you are the first one I know of any pro drift circuit to be in an ATS. Because um, I haven't really heard of that being a drift car until I saw you take on that platform. Granted, I know it shares a platform pretty close with the Camaro, but still unique to see out there up until Meeks picked it up this year. Yeah, um, we had we had some help from his you know, crew chief initially with some of that build, which is, I think, you know, more or less what inspired him to, to build that car, um, just with our initial development. But yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I was going to build next. Cause at the end of, well, not even at the end of, I guess during the 2017 season, I had pretty much already decided if I was going to run pro that I was going to build a new car. Cause my 240 at the time was, pretty tired and yeah. honestly yeah 240 is just not nearly as marketable at the pro level as you know something newer and nicer yeah. so new wanted to build something new um wanted to preferably stay american just because that's kind of who i am I've, I've been the muscle guy much more than the import guy and i wanted to do something different that nobody had done before so you know that kind of narrowed it down to just a, a few options really because a lot of stuff has been done even up and you know oh, yeah. even though drifting's young a lot of people have done a lot of things so with your then i narrowed it down to a wheelbase you know of what would be a viable option and you know for american-made cars with the wheelbase that i wanted or the range that i wanted and still be able to stick an ls in which is the engine i was familiar with this is the best option we came up with and I'm pretty happy with it. 
Awesome. Was your 240 LS swapped? It was. Every drift car I've ever owned myself, other than like my beater Mustang, has been <laughs> LS swapped. Okay. Um, what now was it a pretty similar engine to what you're running now in the, in your pro two car or was it quite different? No, it was pretty different. Um, so the pro, the pro two car that became my rookie pro car, um, was, it went through several different engine configurations, but for the majority of its life, it was a 408 iron block stroker with a jack shaft style Magnuson. 2300 okay um and we had some different issues out of that motor we ended up i crashed the car in pro 2 and i think it hurt the motor more than we had initially thought and it had issues i think it actually tweaked the crank and we had issues keeping belts on it after that and it eventually ended up breaking main caps and kicking those out the side of the block which ruined the engine it did that my first year in pro and I oh, ended up finishing that, that season on just a 5.3 with that, with that supercharger stuck on top of it that I borrowed it, borrowed that engine from my buddy, Chris Nash. Um, and then basically I just parted the car out and sold the show. Gotcha. Um, what, I forget the nickname. What is the other fun car that you have for drifting right now? My duster. Yeah. The duster. Yeah, Stonewall. Stonewall. Uh, what uh, is it? Na or what is all done under it? It is Na. Um, so basically, that is a pullout five three from a Tahoe. Um, and I just did the NSR drift spec cam from Comp. I put a fast one hundred two millimeter intake and throttle body on it. I put valve springs in it, and then just two and a half inch shorty headers to. Hell yeah. Um, you know, an exhaust. That's it. And that thing books. It, it makes like, yeah, it makes 398 horsepower, which is pretty good out of, you know, essentially a stock 5.3 with some bolt ons. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and it sounds mean as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's it, normally it sounds really good. I've got some mufflers on it right now because we just did a cross country drive and. I wanted to at least be able to talk to the other people in the car. That's fair. Um, with the mention of the cross country, I know you have the new one that you're planning now. Uh, that should be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I won't probably release too many details on that until after it's over, but, um, it's, it's going to be, uh, a fun little drive that, uh, some friends and I are going to go on, but yeah, we just finished, doing um the cannonball run in okay. stonewall so and those of you that don't know stonewall is my 1974 plymouth duster as he said it's ls and it has s14 front and rear subframes in it with wise fab up front i didn't even realize so it, it was wise, wise fab on it yep so it's it's a full-on drift car converted kind of back <laughs> to be able to run on the road uh, it's got a cage in it and, and all that. I had to build a back seat for it that would fit within, you know, the cage that I put in it because the stock one wouldn't go in there anymore. But gotcha. Uh, so myself and two of my buddies, Hunter and Michael, uh, and they actually drove the car up to New York for me. And while I was at the event, 
the last round of SD in Texas. I flew up immediately after I got knocked out by Ken Gushi in top 32 and flew up there. And basically they picked me up from the airport in Newark. We drove over to Darien, Connecticut to the good live shopping center over there and immediately left out on a 2,800 mile trek <laughs> across the country and 42 hours and 19 minutes later arrived at the Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach, California. So, um, that was a bucket list item for me. It was so much fun. How the duster and, handled uh, it? Really good. Um, tried to do a lot of things for comfort and stability. Um, you know, we put vintage air on there just to, to have some air conditioning and not have, you know, just stagnant heat coming off oh, yeah. the bottom of the car. Really, really nice. Um, coming across the middle of the U S at least, you know, during the, during the full day of driving that we had, um, it was actually a little bit cold right at the beginning when we first left, like at night, we left at one in the morning out of, out of Connecticut and it was dark all across. New York and Pennsylvania and into some of Ohio and started to, the sun started to come up there, but it was cold at first. We didn't use it then, but, um, so that made it really nice. And I, you know, I took the camber out of the front end to, yeah. to try and get a little bit of back patch. And I put an open diff back in the car just cause, you know, Easier to well, drive. the diffs, no purpose. <laughs> you know, when you're driving that far, it's just one more thing that can you break. Sure. Um, um, was it the first and, time that you've done something like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, we learned so, so much, uh, ended up the only issues we ended up having were all fuel related. We put two extra fuel cells in the back of the car so we could hold 60 gallons of fuel in the oh, car. Shit. Um, and we ended up having two fuel pump failures on the main tank. So basically what we did is I had a, a in tank lift pump in the main tank and the two auxiliary tanks would just refill the main tank. So okay. when you have, when you have a failure in the main tank, you have to take like the whole top of the cell off to be able to replace that in tank pump. So it, that definitely cost us some time. Um, and that's one of the things I'll look at maybe doing different the next time I go about doing some sort of outrageous antics like this. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say or not, but, uh, how fast did you get it up to during the long drive? So I won't say where, but I, <laughs> I got, a. Uh, it really, in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't that fast. I got up to one Oh four once and one Oh five another time. So there were other teams that were competing at the same time as me who got a whole lot faster than I did. Um, I, but I can it kind of, it yeah, it kind of got some death shakes uh, when we got up above the number was like 83. So you could run 83 comfortably and 84 it started to get some death wobble. Oof. And, uh, we pretty much lived at 83 when we were, you know, moving along well, and everything was going good. And I, I opened it up just a couple of times, but honestly, we didn't stay there long just because it felt like it may not be worth it because the whole car may shake apart and the time you make up by running a hundred miles an hour may all be negated if the car shakes apart. That is fair. Um, yeah, if you, especially if it was after already having to work on the fuel pump, it's just like not worth a second downtime. 
Um, yeah, and like my, our axle boots had exploded at some point coming across the northeast. So the longer we went, the less axle grease we had in there. And I'm pretty sure the axles are totally shot now. They're making some terrible noises. Oh, man. But uh, again, overall, just an amazing experience. I met so many cool people um, that are, you know, just as nuts as we are and have the same passions and are, you know, crazy about the history of, of the original cannonball runs that they did back in the seventies that inspired the movie. You know, a lot of people think there's a big misconception about that, that think, you know, the, they came out with this movie in 1981 with Burt Reynolds and everybody just wants to do events after, after that, that the movie inspired, but it was really the other way around, you know, Brock Yates and Dan Gurney back in the early seventies and 71, they did the first cannonball run and they did four or five more throughout the the seventies that actually inspired the movie. So it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I kind of really enjoy the nostalgia and the history of, and being able to go back and retrace the steps of some of the, the automotive legends that have come before us. That is really cool. Um, what was the most fascinating car that you saw out there? Like, or fascinating to you? Um, there were some really good ones, but, um, so I think there were, there were somewhere around 30 cars, 32 cars, I think that started the event. Um, the coolest one to me probably was the guy that ended up winning it. Um, I won't use his name just cause I don't know if he's released it publicly or anything yet either, sure. but he had a, a 79, I think it was actually a Capri, which is, okay. you know, just a Fox body Mustang essentially, but it was like a Miami vice edition. So it had wide body and like this crazy seventies paint on it. It was just a really cool car, but he basically took 2001, uh, a 2001 Cobra and parted it out and put all the drivetrain and engine and everything from that. Oh, one Cobra into this 79 okay. Capri and, uh, and use it like that. And he, he did it in 31 hours and 47 minutes, I think. So totally whipped our ass, but yeah. it was, still a whole lot of fun and cool to learn from those guys that have done this before and do it a lot better than I did. That's awesome though. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm, I'm assuming you guys didn't get last with your time either. Cause I can imagine a lot of shit happening for any team out there. No, we didn't get last We I think we, our official placement, I think was 15th. Um, <laughs> but obviously about mid pack, there were, several several cars unfortunately that didn't get to finish and um we passed a couple even and we were by far the latest car to leave we left like of of the 30 31 cars left before us and the most recent car that had left before us was like eight hours ahead of us so oh wow we were still able to pass we passed a few of them along the way and uh so we didn't get last so that was cool (laughs) we actually won the award for uh what they call Daft Beast, which is the scariest car. <laughs> so, uh, we won something. We walked away with some hardware. That's awesome. Are, are you going to share your Spotify driving playlist or any other music playlist from that kept you guys sane during the 42 hour drive? Uh, sure. Because there was none. Uh, <laughs> we never, <laughs> we never played a single song because the car was, one too loud yeah but um 
we intended at a, at a truck stop when we stopped one of the times to go in and buy a Bluetooth speaker and ended up having a fueling issue like right beforehand and got caught up in trying to do all that and never yeah. bought it. So um, I'm not joking when I tell you we sang songs <laughs> and, and uh, just did all kind of outlandish stuff to stay awake, but it was, it was really good. It's amazing how, easy it is to stay awake really when you're that honed in on something oh yeah you know on a goal and trying to you know look out for traffic and obviously you know the occasional police car and you have others with you is what has to make that a lot better because i couldn't imagine doing like half that drive alone um there was there were one or two guys that did the whole run solo and i like i can't even imagine oh yeah i'd be insane by the end of it um so what was your favorite That's song? What, from makes a, it fun. what was your favorite song from a Burt Reynolds movie to sing? <laughs> oh man, it'd have to be Eastbound and Down, right? I, I was like in my head whenever you said that you guys were singing songs, that was exactly what I just imagined everyone in the car singing. Oh, we were it was mostly like nineties grunge music that we started singing. It was bad. None of us can sing at all. Yeah, so I, I don't want to hear you was, sing Nirvana. I promise. No, no, you don't. I think <laughs> there may have even been a kid, like a kid rock song or two in there somewhere. Oh, it was, uh, Are you a cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> I was that day when we were headed out west. Oh man! Yeah. The, um, thank you for not including any audio from that journey on any platform. <laughs> yeah unfortunately i think there may be some gopro video of that so i've still got to go through all my footage from the run um but i'm cautious i'm not sure if i hope that it is on the gopro or is not on the gopro <laughs> it'll be entertaining either way yeah hey you need something to go viral pick up those hits <laughs> that's right oh shit um yeah that that is a blast uh so get so getting back to drifting uh what's been uh one of the b- biggest difficulties you've had from going from uh pro two to pro one um the biggest difficulty initially it, i won't even say initially reliability of the car was okay. was hard just because you're pushing them so, so hard to be able to do this and keep up with the other, you know, outrageous horsepower builds. And, you know, the cars not only make gobs of horsepower, but the cars are just hooked up and really, really fast. So even, even some of the cars that made less horsepower than me just had so much mechanical grip because the guys had had so much time testing and developing the cars that a car that has 600 horsepower can still outrun a car that has 800 and drift if, if it's set up better. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, Cause I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're definitely not one of the higher budget teams out there with uh, some of the like huge Papadakis and the Ford backing that some drivers are having. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> and it does help initially when, you know, we were broke a lot with the reliability stuff. And so you, you don't get to test and you don't get to practice and you don't get to develop the car or your driving. So, you know, you're already behind the eight ball to some degree with a lack of budget. And then it's just that much harder when you don't have track time too. No doubt. Um, 
How how long were you in Pro Two? Two years. So we ran in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. Okay. I finished tenth in points my first year and eighth in points my second year. Okay. And um we went ahead and made the jump to pro. Um it may have been in hindsight, it may have been too early to some degree. I, I would like to really I think you should probably be consistently on the podium in pro two before making the jump into pro, but also in the same breath. I think if I hadn't made the jump into pro when I did, I probably would never have done it. So I gotcha. Now with being able to go into pro one, did you like went for, cause I know like comp cams is one of the bigger sponsors. Did you have anyone seeking you out or was it more so you having to go out and find, um, companies that were willing to help back you up a little bit? In general, it's still you soliciting, you know, your own sponsors. I think, uh, there's probably a very small handful of drivers that have companies seeking them out. You know, a lot of it is, is marketing yourself and trying to bring something to the table for potential sponsors. You know, that's, that's something I think a lot of perspective up and coming drivers forget about and lose sight of, you know, people just want to want to be sponsored and, you know, have people yeah. give them money or parts or whatever, but it, it's a two way street and you have to provide some sort of value to that company to be able to, for them to warrant sponsoring you. So that's what we've spent some time trying to develop and certainly not the best at it by any means, but we try and do a lot of things that are outside the box to, to do that for, you know, different companies and our partners. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think anyone in that's even in a pro-am or pro two really needs to realize how much work and effort and time it's going to take to get the sponsorship that, um, gets your team actually flowing in any sort of a easier direction. (laughs) Yeah. And it, and it really is one of those things where, um, I think you almost kind of have to, unless you have just somebody that really, really likes you and supports you, you kind of have to support yourself through the first season of doing pro because, or or at least that was my experience because saying that you're going to do something doesn't always equate to actually doing it. And a lot of people want to see that, you know, you're actually going to follow through on what you say you're going to do before they're willing to, you know, take a risk of their own and join you. So, yeah, I mean, whenever, especially any sort of financial backing, you know, it's hard to take someone out their word that hasn't been out there doing it already. Whenever there's some, whenever there are people out there that have been. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's, you know, no telling how many people that approach a company that say they're going to go and do an event or do a series or whatever. And for one reason or another that, they aren't able to make it happen. So you kind of have to prove that you are going to do it and can do it yourself before people are willing to jump on and join you on the journey. So we were fortunate to be able to do that. We only ran a, a half a series or half the schedule the first year that we ran in pro, which was basically just the four events closest to us on the East coast. I think yeah. Atlanta, Jersey, Orlando, and Texas and build the infrastructure that we needed to be able to come out in 2018 and put a better program together with Cadillac. 
I got you. Have you had any uh, backing or work with uh, GM at all on your car? We've tried, but no, they, um, they, they didn't send us a cease and desist letter like some manufacturers have done to competitors. So that was nice, but, um, Holy shit. No, we really haven't had that happen. (laughs) Yeah. BMW is not a fan of, uh, of people using their name to market their program and formula drift. So good to know any of the cars you see running BMWs, they are not getting any manufacturer support. Oh man, and I loved uh, Blues's car last year. That thing was a monster. Yeah, and, and it's it's so funny because like when you watch BMW's commercials, they're they, almost they have, all and drifting, but they have no interest at all in supporting competition drifting. That's so awkward. Um, yeah, yeah. So Cadillac didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> they were interested what we had to say and you know supportive and they want to see us do well but as far as any backing in the truest well uh at least it wasn't negative from them (laughs) no it's a good bunch of guys and um and i have hopes that maybe we could build something in the future with them so yeah keep an open line of communication hope for the best kind of thing absolutely how did you go go about uh, getting your uh, ATS? So I, once I decided that's the car I wanted, I tried to look on Craigslist and, um, you know, auction eBay auction sites and things like that. But I, I quickly figured out that a car like that is, it was still so new at the time. Cause yeah. you know, now it's two years since I built the car, but, I mean, the car was only two years old when I built it, and the I, I was sure that I wanted a coupe. So they've only been building the coupe since 2015, okay. And it was 2017 when I was trying to build it, so <laughs> it's hard to try and find a reasonably priced two-year-old Cadillac. Um, so what I ended up doing was going on uh, carpart.com and searching out to try and find quarter panels for the ATS because I, I assumed if they had quarter panels, they probably had the whole car. Yeah. And when I found a couple of those, I reached out and called the, called the scrapyard in my case that had the car and it had gotten hit in the right rear and the left front. Uh, the salvage yard had already sold the motor, the trans, most of the seats and interior stuff and all that. And I picked the car up as a, it wasn't even really a rolling shell. It had, <laughs> I think it had two tires on it. It didn't have any front end, no front suspension, but it had the two rear wheels on it. Um, mm-hmm. But I paid 2200 bucks for the car in a, in a wrecked condition. Um, probably spent another two grand or so on body panels and lights and stuff just to get it back, you know, to stock form. And then started developing suspension stuff, which was expensive and time consuming, but the the bare shell of the car i really don't feel like i have that much more in it than anybody that built a 240 or a 350z or you know pick your chassis yeah i mean a shell for 2200 is hard to beat i've seen people selling 240 shells that are in horrible condition for a grand or 1500 um right and then the grand of a pro build you know, a thousand dollar difference is pretty minuscule. Absolutely. 
Um, so I, having something newer and more marketable, I think was the biggest game changer in our program and offering something to sell because a fortune 500 company doesn't want to use a 25 year old car to market their business. Without a doubt. And we've been seeing that a lot more in the sport for, uh, especially Toyota lately, um, with having multiple drivers driving cars that are still on the road and Ford having multiple Mustangs and, uh, wishing I would see more Chevy, but I guess we have one Camaro kind of. Yeah. Some of a Camaro, <laughs> uh, even though Chevy does actually sell an electric Camaro, but I think it's only a drag pack type of weird setup. Um, I'm actually not sure with that, but that sounds pretty cool. I believe it's like the EL one Camaro. Um, I remember hearing about, I, I believe it's at like the same level as like the Copo Camaro where essentially it has to be special ordered. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and whenever I saw his, that's what I was expecting it was. And then I had heard that he's running Tesla, uh, motors in it. So I was like, okay, I guess it's not the, actual chevy based one no that's pretty cool though um see that's what you need to do you need to run an electric camaro please don't for the love of god please don't (laughs) no i don't really have any plans of getting away from the ls i think that's something that we finally gotten it to be pretty tried and true and do what it's supposed to do so i think we'll stick with what we know there yeah I do wonder how long, because I guess the the new LT platform's been out now for four years. So I wonder when we'll start seeing those pick up more. I'm sure it won't be too long. You know, basically, as soon as cars start getting worn out and getting wrecked and getting in salvage yards and people can start picking up the drivetrains for relatively inexpensive, I would think that's probably when... Uh, when we'll see them come down and start getting used more often. For sure. Uh, I, I, I guess I haven't researched to see if, because uh, I've heard that like the biggest change between the LS and the LT was like head design um, and a couple things and, and like some other smaller things. But uh, I don't know if the trucks are still running LS based engines or if they're running the new LT or what. I believe they're running LT platforms now. I could be incorrect about that, but I believe that that's the case. That's cool. So, yeah, hopefully give it another two or three years, and when we start seeing people crash all their Silverados and Tahoes, that we'll start finding cheap iron LT stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there has to be the aftermarket support there. That's that's the biggest difference then the LS and the small block Chevy is, you know, every aftermarket engine company out there makes products for oh. those engines. So it makes it, you know, once the market gets competitive, then the prices come down of everything and it just makes it so much more affordable. It, it would be hard for me to believe that any engine platform out there has more aftermarket support than the LS. Um, just because yeah. of like, you see them in literally every level of motorsports from, dirt uh rally uh boat racing i've seen one power a helicopter i mean yeah i was about to say i've seen one in an airplane before (laughs) so it's unreal just uh the versatility because of it being such a compact package that people love them 
Um, that and the small block Chevy. Yep, without a doubt. Or big block Chevy because who doesn't want a, all the torque? Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's good stuff. They're just heavy. God, they're heavy. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I, I, I think I have a big block Chevy block sitting in my shop right now. And it is the biggest pain in the ass to move around for just being an engine block. They are large. Um, they are large and and I think it's half full of block fill, so that doesn't help. That does not help, no. <laughs> um, so I- I'm assuming uh, going into next year, do you still plan on keeping the same the ATS platform? Yes, that is certainly the plan. Um, I think we've developed it a lot, and I'm excited to you know continue development of that. We've talked with some more companies that I'm hoping to partner with over the course of the off season that we're excited about doing that with. And I just hope we get to keep, uh, you know, keep doing this and living the dream and moving on up the ladder and top 16 and beyond. But, you know, just all, all depending on sponsorship dollars and everything else, you know, just playing that game of trying to make this life work. It's tough. Absolutely. Especially when you have a normal job too. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine since yeah, family, normal job and trying to do drifting on both sides of the U S <laughs> or all. Yeah. Countries, and, I should yeah. Say. and and with me, I'm never satisfied with doing just one thing. So I have to, you know, do things like road rallies and cannonball run and local drift events and, you know, just anything I can get my hands on. I bought a drifting go kart today. So. What? Uh, yeah, I can't. I just can't help myself. <laughs> apparently, when's the holes of hazard come out? <laughs> uh, we are doing our official premiere next Friday or next Saturday, October fifth, and then it will go live worldwide the following Saturday. I think is the plan. So, how long of a video is this? Uh, it's not done editing, so I don't know. Are, are we talking? <laughs> you know, we're having. A, are, are we talking like ten minutes feature length? Or? No, it's I'd say it's probably going to land. I'm thinking somewhere between fifteen and twenty five minutes. I'm thinking probably right around twenty minutes. But that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's it's something that we have had so much fun doing and I hope that everybody else enjoys it too. I think people that enjoyed the original show will enjoy the same kind of slapstick comedy that we have in this and will still enjoy the chase scenes and all that. Um, but honestly, if not a single soul watches it, I've, it's still a success because <laughs> I had so much. It, so. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure you'll have plenty of people checking it out. I know I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to watch it as soon as I can. Um, h- how many windshields were taken out with gravel or windows in general? <laughs> Only one, believe it or not. Um, and it was not in Stonewall. It was in the Crown Vic that was not my car, my buddy Wesley's cop car. Um, but, yeah, we completely destroyed the windshield on his car um, <laughs> when he was trying to chase Stonewall on a gravel road. And, I mean, to the point where rocks were coming through the windshield into the cabin. Oh, shit. We, we, we did it good. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once we did it, we did it. Right. 
whenever I started seeing the videos of it anywhere near a building or anywhere near another car, I'm just like, yeah, so there's going to be a window or windshield that's completely gone by the end of filming this. Yeah, we, you know, I run the, the same Achilles tires on that car as I do on the pro car when it's doing any kind of this <laughs> stuff. So it's a 285, 35, 18, and it is a sticky tire and it kicks up anything wherever, you know, whatever kind of surface it's on, it's trying to tear it off. So, I oh, mean, yeah. it's trying to tear asphalt off the ground and drifting and it's trying to tear all the gravel up from the road and it does that much more successfully and throws it whichever direction you're pointed. So. Oh, oh man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. We had a lot of fun with it. Now, now for the, this premiere, is it going to be something where people would have to be near you or is it going to be premiered on Facebook, YouTube, or. I'm premiering it at my house. Um, oh, man. my, yeah, my wife has uh, has really done a nice job putting the, the event together. So we got like a 30-foot tent. Everybody's going to be sitting on hay bales. There's going to be a red carpet or a red dirt carpet. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun little event, I think. She's, she's good at planning events and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm not good at all that at all. I just want to go and do it. And, you know, now she's... Uh, making it good and my buddy Kenny that filmed most of it finishing ed- editing it editing it and uh I just get to enjoy the fruits of their labor that's awesome if anyone's willing to live stream it just make sure they send a link to me okay okay I will <laughs> um so what gave you the idea of trying to put together that bigger video um I mean Dukes of Hazard was it for me when I was growing up. I mean, I started, I saw it come on the old network, TNN, the Nashville network when I was five years old. And, um, it's what got me on cars. You know, the, the generally was my first car I ever fell in love with. And, you know, that 68 to 70 charger is still my favorite car that's ever been in existence. And I will have one one day, but it will probably be, the day I quit FD because <laughs> I can't afford one of those while I'm still trying to live this crazy dream. But I imagine it also uh, just becoming your new addiction as soon as you own one. Yeah, it's true. But you know, Dukes of Hazard was such an inspiration for me and it was such a cool, wholesome show that anybody can watch and have their kids watch and not be scared of what they're going to see on there. And you know, Duke Daisy Duke is my first crush and, it was uh, it was just a kind of a life-changing show for me. So when it came time to put something together, you know, that was kind of what we wanted to model it after. And I had already, you know, somewhat built a car that was inspired by General Lee. You know, Stonewall is my, is my car, but it was certainly inspired by the legend of General Lee. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's just been a whole lot of fun putting something together to kind of pay pay homage to that show and what it did for me. That's awesome, man. Um, for drifting stuff, uh, 
was drifting how you got into motorsports or was there any other sort of like drag racing or anything else that you did before getting into drifting? Oh yeah, I did. Um, I started doing asphalt oval track racing when I was 13. My parents got me into that and bought me a little bandolero race car. And I kind of cut my teeth doing that for a couple of years and then transitioned into legend cars and oh, wow. had a lot of success over the course of, um, shoot, I guess about 10 years doing that, you know, but not just legends, but oval track stuff, you know, between everything from legends to late models to modified, to yeah. many sprints. And I, I guess everything in between, we even did some trucks and ARCA cars and anything on oval track racing on asphalt that you can race. I've pretty much driven it and had a lot of fun. If, if not raced it, at least tested it. But <laughs> I did that for 10 years and honestly kind of, ended up just getting a little bit bored of it. Um, okay. just needed a change of pace. I had some friends in high school that were into drifting. Um, Emmett Ash is one of them. He's, you know, on the, on the top garage crew now. And, uh, which top garage is one of my sponsors. They did the cage and the Cadillac and a lot of the That's fabrication sweet. work. Um, but yeah, I, I talked to Emmett a little bit and he helped me find my first drift car which was an S14 that I thought I was going to put just a small block 383 Chevy in <laughs> um, and I figured out that it didn't fit. So I sold that one and then I bought an FC RX seven and oh, wow. pulled in and trans out of that and thought it was going to fit. And it didn't. So I sold that one too. And <laughs> then I passed up and just <laughs> sold the engine that I was trying to use. And I bought a S13 that someone had started an LS two fifty six swap in, you know, they had bought a sticky swap kit and set the engine in the car and then kind of gave up. So I bought that and just finished it. And that was my competition car all the way through like learning all the way through pro am. And then I built that S 14 for pro two. That's awesome. Um, so I guess, so then you haven't had to go through too many cars. It sounds like through your drift career. Uh, no, not, or as competition cars, I mean, I've, I have had, I was trying to keep a count the, the other day, but I've had 50 cars since I <laughs> started buying cars, but, uh, only, only three competition drift cars. Okay. Um, it, and it seems popular for anyone I've ever known that has done any sort of round track racing or drag racing it's almost impossible for them to remember every vehicle that they've purchased because of either purchasing something because they know they can sell it for more so they can buy a part they need or purchasing it because for a two week time period, they thought it would be the best idea they ever had or what have you. Yeah. I've done a lot of, of both of those. Um, thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this and I'll keep it forever. And then, I get it home and post a picture online and somebody's like, Hey, what would you sell that for? And I'm like, <laughs> I would sell that for a thousand dollars more than I bought it for. And they buy it. And my dream car is gone. in like a matter of days, I've done it with several chargers, which is absolutely my dream car. And I think I've owned five of them and I've never had been able to drive a single one of them. So if you ever had the chance to own a 1970, Charger, would you keep it Mopar or LS swap it? 
uh, a charger, I think I will probably keep Mopar just for the fact of what that car is and kind of what it means to me. Um, I think, I think that one probably needs to be Mopar, but I would probably do like a modern Mopar swap. Gotcha. Like a Hellcat or something badass if you can find it. I would love to do that, but even just like the, the six one or six four Hemi, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of brand loyalty unless I have an incentive to. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be beyond me to put an LS in something like that, but (laughs) I guess just for what that car is, I think it deserves to have, uh, you know, like a, a modern Hemi of some kind. That's fair. Um, so for smaller events this year, I know you did LS Fest. Was there any other uh, major, just like one like one shot event that you attended this year? Yeah, we did the Fourth of July deal at Atlanta Motorsports Park. We've done that two years in a row, and that was a, a whole lot of fun. It's not a competition; it's just like a exhibition that's you know a good time. Okay. Um, we did M Alliance at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That was pretty cool. Um, we did grid life. Yeah. Um, I did that in the cat. So that was, that's always a pretty fun event as well. Getting the hot lap around road Atlanta. Um, and then we've done, you know, several other more local, you know, grassroots events at Lanier and, you know, some of those kind of places. So yeah, and I, I, I just remembered I about it. Been... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I try and hit as many events as I feasibly can on the schedule, you know, as, as my schedule allows between formula drifts and everything else and all the other projects that we have going on. But yeah. I still don't get as many as I would like to. I still want to go up to East coast bash and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. I'm trying to plan a trip up there, uh, next year, hopefully to, do some tandem with Tony Angelo and his drift Cuda fishtail and, oh, you know, and sweet. my car. Um, I think that'd be cool seeing two old Mopars doing tandem. Oh yeah. Um, and I was going to say, uh, I remembered you at a uh, national super speedway this year. I'd forgot about that. Cause I was back in March. Oh yeah. I forgot that was even this year to be totally honest. <laughs> but, yeah. I'd, I'd, it seems like so long ago, but right. yeah, I did that event. Um, as a test day before uh, before Formula Drift started, so that was definitely a cool event too. Yeah, that was awesome seeing the car out at and without front or rear bumper. And whenever I first saw it, I'm just like, "What the hell car is that?" And quickly realized what it was. Yeah, but, yeah, that was that thing so long ago. I I remember <laughs> I um. I had some kind of a fueling issue and tried to burn the car down there, but that is a fun track and a fast track. Um, that oh, yeah. really was, was a really good test session for, for the speed, you know, and, and what the car's got to endure for formula drift. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, that opening sweeper is close to the, uh, first turn for uh, road Atlanta for speed. Um, yeah, it's fast. <laughs> uh that's most people i know around here um that's probably the 
best local track to try and run if there's ever an opportunity to, but they've been cracking down on not really opening up the track anymore. So it's been. Yeah, I know Hooman was trying to, I think, get that track for the most recent Turismo event. I think he had some issues doing that. So that kind of stunk. I was looking forward to trying to compete in the Cadillac at that event too. But that would have been amazing. You, know, you can't help can't help when the uh, track won't cooperate with you. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and blame Hooman, but that's normally my strategy anyway. So I'm good with that. Poor uh, Hooman. He's only he's only Hooman. Damn it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah. Um, now with any of the other uh, events that you went to, were they competitions or was it just LS Fest that uh, was the competition that you went to? Just LS Fest this year um, that I've been to outside of FD that was a competition. So okay. that was a really good event for us. We've won that one, you know, two years in a row now. I'm, hoping to go back next year and compete there. That one, that's a cool event for our schedule because all the people with comp are out there and actually get to come out to the event and see the car and watch it compete and all that. We had a lot of fun with that both years. Yeah. And it's definitely like the competition is, is like always going up there. Um, I was so sorry whenever, uh, Hurst ended up hitting the wall. Um, cause I love that car too. Um, yeah, Jonathan looked really good. I, I thought for sure that we were kind of on a collision course cause we qualified first and second. I thought we were on a collision course to be battling that out in the finals. So, um, that would have been a fun battle, but I, you know, guess it wasn't meant to be. I hated that. I hated that for Jonathan that he yeah. hit the wall like that. He's had he a recovered. Rough year. Was it? yeah um that was definitely a fun event um and yeah it's cool seeing you out at uh a lot of the smaller events and competitions like that uh i, I don't know why you didn't go to ford fest this weekend <laughs> that's well i that's basically the only uh only genre i really don't have like a, a full-on car to compete or you know go do i have my little mustang but it makes i'm gonna guess probably about 190 horsepower to the tires yeah and, uh I, I just don't think that it would really put on that great of a show there yeah, um probably wouldn't fare without, out too well <laughs> without some upgrades I, I would love to do it but uh you know, if I if I'm gonna drive up that far, to be totally honest, I I want to compete. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, drifting is so many different things for so many people, and you know, there's a lot of people that don't like the competition aspect of it, and that is certainly their prerogative, and they don't have to like it. But um, it's also my prerogative to like it, and that to me is what makes drifting fun. Anything. I've always been that way. I like to compete at whatever I'm passionate about to try and push myself and get better. I really, it is my opinion that at, you know, grassroots fun events that there are no clipping points or zones or anything like that. It is much, much more difficult to improve your skills than when you're being pushed on a competition setting on a very specified course that you have to hit. 
I just think it's the best way to be able to get better the fastest way possible. Makes sense. Um, and, and I do wonder if, uh, if like that competitive aspect comes out more in the people that started out in very competitive sports, like round, like round track racing and drag racing, uh, where, you know, it's very winter centric instead of just going out and having a fun type of thing. Um, cause like, I know yeah. a lot of people that just like started drifting and that was the first motorsport they got into and it's a stress relief for them. Like, it's just a go out and have fun with your buddies type of, you know, a day or a weekend event. And they have no plans to ever go any further with it. And then there's the people that, you know, when they start the, you know, if they start a pro-am, they started that program because they wanted to win and they want to win so they can get to that next level. Yeah. And, and I think both mindsets is perfectly fine. I don't, I'm not one of those people that I think, you, you know, are dumb if you are one way and not the other way. I think, you know, for those of you that just want to do it just for fun, you know, I think that's fine, you know, because drifting's fun. Yeah. So, you know, do, do it. But, you know, I think I think you hit on something there. That, that probably makes sense. There's a lot of people that did it or that got into it after being involved in some other form of competitive motorsport. And then there's other people that, you know, were probably into, you know, style, expressing style in other ways yeah. beforehand, like you know, doing skateboarding or BMXing or something like that, where it's just freestyle fun. So, you know, maybe that was, you know, what influenced them on not doing it as much on the competitive side. And that's fine too. But um, I just like competing. I, I like pushing myself and trying to be the best at whatever it is that I'm involved in understood so uh for this year or really since being in pro one um has there been any driver that you have uh like had a tandem with that just stood out or that you just loved how uh the driving went for it um yes i've had uh i've had a few both of my battles with Justin Pollock at, at Seattle both years with the Cadillac was a whole lot of fun and tight competitive battles that um, I, I feel like if I had just driven a little bit better, I could have maybe uh, squeezed one out on him at, at both of those rounds. And then um, I had a pretty good battle with Ken Gushi at the last event in Texas. So that was a lot of fun too. Um, Unfortunately, I blew a head gasket on my lead run and lost probably 200 horsepower on my car, which really didn't allow me to get out to the zones the way that I needed to with the amount of grip that I had dialed in the car. So that was kind of unfortunate. But Kim was right on me anyway, so he definitely deserved the win. But yeah. I would. I'm looking forward to getting to Irwindale and hopefully getting a little bit of redemption from that one. Cause that's really the only mechanical issue we've had all year long. Oh yeah. Um, hopefully that will definitely, uh, work out then. Uh, I would love to see you get into a top 16 or grade eight. That would, uh, be fucking awesome. <laughs> it would, that is the, the ultimate goal is to continue, you know, moving forward and, doing better and 
that's the only way to do it. Is, you know, you just have to win, period. Fair enough. Um, and uh, just to check, um, I don't know what else you were uh, trying to plan on talking to, but any uh, any of your support or uh, backing that you have that you're wanting to throw out or do a shout out for? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll do a couple more of those, but, um, you know, basically the, the biggest contributors or partners that we've had this year that have helped us, I think, propel to that next level of success has been, you know, comp and their whole, comp performance group is you know the umbrella company which for us consists of rhs which is the the engine block that we run and the head driven racing oil which is you know again the oil that we run they do the gear loop power steering the, the whole shebang um fast which is you know most people know fast as the intake manifolds that go on ls's which is great but they do you know so much more with fueling and you know whether it's pumps or regulators or rails or whatever they've got everything and then also ignition systems too um and then obviously comp with the cam and the valve train and all that stuff but outside of the comp performance group do i uh, with comp do you is the giveaway still going on for the whole cam that you have with them that drift cam Yep. So we'll be doing the giveaway on Saturday between top 16 and, or between top 32 and top 16. So anybody out at Irwindale can still, or is still eligible to enter to win the cam giveaway. All you have to do is follow myself and comp on Facebook or Instagram, and we will draw a winner from there. And, um, that's going to be a pretty cool deal. So you'll, you'll be, or whoever that is, will be getting the the same cam as we have. And it is a solid piece for sure. <laughs> it's a beast. Uh, yeah, it is for sure. And then, you know, outside of that, we have my business coach, which um, is Dennis Huff's company. It's been a long, long time partner of ours. It's probably my longest standing partner and relationship and you know outside of just sponsoring our car he's done so much for me personally and with our business and trying to help develop a a solid race team and program to be able to present to other partners and been such a good spokesperson for me and our brand and drifting in general and just an all-around awesome guy so being partnered with those folks has just been a great experience too. And, uh, I look forward to continuing that relationship. And we brought a new company on this year with yellow speed that does our coilovers. And we're probably gonna be doing breaks with them next year also. But the coilovers was, uh, you know, something that, um, there's not a whole lot of other guys in pro, running those so that was um something to be to be totally frank that i was a little bit skeptical about at first but i'm so happy that i made that choice because it's easily the best school over i've ever run on i don't know why there weren't more guys running 
yellow speed before now, but uh, hopefully we're able to get some more guys on their stuff because it is quality stuff and really, really good. Um, the adjustability is absolutely there. And, you know, the car's got more grip than it ever has. It's really been pretty awesome. So fantastic. Uh, yeah, we're you know we're looking forward to what next year will bring and bring on like I said some more partners and having uh, a lot of fun. And then obviously Achilles tires. You know the we could not do what we do without tire support and you know Sherilyn and the whole crew with Achilles is. Second to none. I, if I had my choice of any tire, no matter what, it would uh, absolutely be Achilles. The one, two, threes are just stupid grippy. There's <laughs> one of those tires that kind of like we were talking about early. Even even a car that's underpowered can keep up with a car that's got more power just by having that tire on it. So it's Very a cool. huge advantage. And then, of course, I know you have one of the nicest pit crews out there, NFD, of uh, Nick and Ethan. Yeah, yeah, Nick and Ethan and Elliot have been uh, a huge help for us. Um, I, again, couldn't do it without them there. I've, I've had a lot of different people crew for me over the years, and we've got a really fun, cohesive group of people that, are knowledgeable and really enjoy the sport and have the right attitude about it. And I hope that we get to retain all of them for next year. And, you know, for, for Nick and Ethan, I, I hope that, uh, they get to run competitively. Nick is supposed to be hopefully getting to run in pro two next year. Oh, hell yeah. And, and, I know Ethan will be back running pro-am, so I'm hoping I can help him with his program and continue to, you know, progress him up the ladder and get his pro two license as well. I know he wants to, you know, kind of chase that dream as well. And that is a hell of a dream to chase. For sure. Uh, And I just realized that uh, all three of you are LS drivers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that had nothing to do with why you guys wanted to work together, but... uh... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to have people around you that are familiar with the same kind of platform and the kind of challenges that it can face. And, you know, which to be honest with an LS is much more minimal than most. But again, when you're pushing cars this hard, they're going to have issues from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you see from a team that had, you know, that has a car out there that cost them, you know, they have 50 grand into everything or half a million into everything shit breaks. Um, it's not, it's not something you can really avoid regardless. Yeah. Everybody from, you know, Papadakis's team all the way, you know, down to whoever is in last place, but at any given time there, you're pushing it hard. Yeah. It breaks from time to time. For sure. Uh, anything else that you're wanting to bring up on here? No, I think that's it, man. Okay, dude. Well, it's been an absolute blast having you on. I thank you so much for your time and we'll have to do this another time next year, hopefully. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys soon. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. All right. See you, buddy.